What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, Wealth Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. Okay, just Joey, I got to let you in on the, on the car ride down to the beach with the fam. Mm, I bet that was fun. It, it was so fun. We We were driving through small townville alabama and then florida if as you're listening to this if you've never had a chance to ride out to rural alabama you are missing out <laughs> on some creativity in both uh, township names as well as restaurant names yes uh if, if you get a chance you can look these up on google there's uh, some pretty crazy names yeah so as we're, we're driving down i'm kind of introducing just different things to my kids like hey let's just check out the names of different stores and towns and just see if there's something that you've ever never heard of before and I, i'm always fascinated with how people can come up with the just most creative names for their city or for their restaurant like louver louver that's louver in alabama i mean surely that was named after like somebody's just honey you know like this is my girl louver and i'm gonna name a city after her how about Highland home that I mean, that's interesting. That it's really like you name a whole city after one one house. <laughs> How about Diffuniac Springs? Yeah, I mean, those better be some special springs. <laughs> okay, no, healing springs. Let's get into the restaurants. Uh, we passed by a restaurant, Joey, that its name is It Don't Matter. No, like the restaurant. The restaurant's name is It Don't Matter. <laughs> like. Hey, baby, where do you want to go tonight? It don't matter. <laughs> hey. So they named it based hey, on your wife's response. Yeah. Hey, wash your hands before you go back to work. It don't matter. <laughs> How about, did you wash that food? It, it don't, don't matter. matter. <laughs> like, give me a break. <laughs> or how about, can a brother get a slice pizzeria? What? That's not for real. It is for real. Or the squared circle what is that who knows it's some name of a restaurant on on the road down there the squared circle okay scratch my head or sarah's big r like wh what's the rest of it <laughs> i don't know what like what, what comes after the r what's it what is the r sarah's big r like they ran out of space on the sign i think so I think like they were going for restaurant and they just left the rest I don't, well, they're like, we can't spell the rest of it. Well, that or, you know, they, they didn't have any more money to buy a letter or something. <laughs> I bet y'all had a kick out of that. Oh, man. We went to Panama City Beach. First time in 25 years since literally the first year out of high school. I've not been to PCB. Um, I did not go visit any of the stomping ground. I stayed away from Club of Vila and Spinners. Yeah, probably a different different uh place than than where you would have gone well back you're, then. yeah you're down there with four kids instead of being uh four kids you know <laughs> being a fool like four kids when i was down there 
I, I do have one funny story. Is, um, so we were the water is just crystal clear. Mm. It was beautiful. We were picking up sand dollars. Never, never actually found a live sand dollar in the ocean before. The brown ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they were everywhere. We were able to pick those up, <laughs> and I, we've got manta rays swimming around us. Nice. I mean, you know, some people pay money for that stuff. No, we 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 got that for free, bro. <laughs> But I, I go out there to play with the kids, and Ryan was like, yeah, we just saw a sea turtle. <laughs> what? Yeah, I was like, a sea turtle? He's like, yeah. Can somebody give me a plastic straw? I'll feed it to him. <laughs> I mean, the things that kids will say. You know, the whole deal oh, with, like, everybody's, like, anti-plastic. Like save the sea turtles. Yeah, everybody's saved the sea turtles. Like, do away with your plastic straws. And there's my son. So let's feed him a plastic straw oh my gosh oh my goodness but i i, I say all of this just to to show like man today's guest is going to talk nothing like you and i or my my son his accent's a little different slightly different from across the pond day <laughs> and also he has a pretty interesting background early on in his career he got to spend significant time with the sir richard branson do you add the the at the front or do you just start with sir I don't know. Like, I've never had a chance to talk to him. What would you do? <laughs> I would say, hello, sir, Richard Branson. <laughs> well, I mean, would you say that because you're Southern and that's just the way that you were brought up to always say sir to someone or is it because you knew he has been knighted? It's dual purpose in my book. Yeah. Can you imagine, like, being knighted? What does that feel like? Like a sword on your shoulders. Yeah. Who gets to do that, by the way? Is that the queen, the 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 king, the the prince? I'm not up on my the my, charming. I'm not up on my royal, uh, you know, book there. I don't. I don't have no idea. Dude, you've been reading all about Harry and Meghan Markle. Go ahead and tell him. <laughs> not I. Not you. All right. Well, let, let's don't spend any more time. That today's subject matter is interesting because we have never actually heard of this idea that our guest today, Matthew Sullivan, is going to be sharing with you. I hope you have as much uh, fun listening to the episode as Joey and I had, picking fun at each other, listening to this amazing accent, and even better concept and story. Let's jump into this episode right now with Matthew Sullivan. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome into the show. Today, we are blessed to have Matthew Sullivan joining us. Matthew, so glad to have you in. Thank you very much for having me on. Well, you, you've got one of the most interesting voices we've heard in a long time. I, I know our audience is tired of listening to us rednecks share <laughs> financial <laughs> secrets. And Matthew, I said this as before we press record, looking at your bio, reading through some of the stuff that you're doing with your company, I was shocked to to learn that there's a subject matter in finance that I don't know about. And I say that tongue in cheek because <laughs> yes. there's so many things I don't know about. But today's conversation is super interesting. But before we get to that, I would love to know kind of some background, not stuff that your mom would want to share with the friends, but stuff that our audience would want to hear. Talk a little <laughs> bit about uh, where you've come from and, and what gets you to the position where you are now. Great. Well, I'm uh, originally from uh, England. And so I moved over here 
to California, in fact, uh, about seven and a half years ago. Um, recently moved out of California to uh, Utah, funny enough. Of all, of Good for you. Good for you. Uh, really, because I was just, um, you know, I really forgot how uh, cold it can get. Um, so I thought I'd move to Utah just to remind <laughs> myself that, that uh, you know, outside of California there are seasons and uh, and uh, it, it does get pretty chilly here actually so yeah. um so my background is is you know some would say unemployable um others would say entrepreneurial i think the two are, are synonymous but i really um started my own business um really in the sort of early early 90s um and i've been a entrepreneur for you know 25 30 years now um and i've been involved in Different businesses, primarily though in you know telecoms, finance, um, and technology. And uh, when I moved to the US, I I swore that I would throw myself you know headfirst into real estate, um, which is something that I'd always wanted to do. Um, and so that was you know r really um, what I do now is this sort of combination of all of the things that I've learned over the years. So I um, you know we're we're building this. A trading platform that combines technology and finance and and real estate. Yeah, well, and you kind of skipped over the '90s, which, I mean, for Joey, he didn't really get to experience that very much. He was just a little chap. <laughs> but it it also, as I was reading through your bio, I realized that you you learned early in the '90s from one of the most famous entrepreneurs, or one of the ones that most people would recognize, Richard Branson. Talk a little bit yes. about that time that you guys got to spend together. You're right, and again, it's funny. It seems like yesterday, but it was quite a while ago now. But um, it happened because. Um, I used to be a stockbroker and it, I worked for a very small outfit and the guys that were, you know, my boss, a guy called Rory McCarthy, um, spun off and set up his own small corporate finance company in Kensington, which was just down the road from Notting Hill, which is where Richard Branson had his business, uh, sort of, you know, was his, based his business. And one of the companies that we acquired was um, Lindstrand Balloons, which is a hot air balloon manufacturer, really because of the friendship that Rory had with, with the owner, Pearl Lindstrand. Um, and Rory had always wanted to go around the world in a hot air balloon. So he wrote to Richard and said, you know, dear Richard, you know, going around the world in a hot air balloon is the world's last great adventure. Um, we had this balloon company. We've got the design for this balloon that we think can circumnavigate the world. Would you like to be one of the pilots? And Richard wrote back and said, dear Rory, why not? Yours, Richard. So we, um, and this was in the, 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 the you know, late, uh, I think it was, it was in, so just, I think around 19, 96 97 something like that um and so we started this amazing adventure where we became very close friends with richard because there's only a few of us we were literally just up the road from his office and we were doing something that he thought was really cool which was really cool um and so because of that we we became not just business associates we, we became friends with him and we were in and out of his offices and we became very closely associated with his corporate finance team so we ended up being the gatekeepers and we got involved with you know a whole bunch of projects and we saw or i saw you know from the ground up how these things were created and how they became virgin companies so i you know i, I watched virgin mobile uh, grow from uh, a chat around a kitchen table in his in his house in holland park 
um, to this multi-billion dollar organization. Uh, same with Virgin Radio and V2 Music. Um, and, and, you know, we were on the, you know, I was sort of on the sidelines. I was still, you know, um, a, a young chap, eyes wide open like a deer caught in the headlights. You know. um, <laughs> but um, it, was, it was amazing to be part of all of these different uh uh, enterprises and we we took a couple of companies public and it, you know it was a fantastic high speed um you know learning curve with some of the smartest people i think i've ever met what, what would you say was like one of your main takeaways from that time uh maybe lessons learned uh, i think really just um you know richard himself was and probably still is a very different breed of person where there is no sort of hang up about things that cannot be done. So in other words, there is not a sense of uh, false optimism. It is really this case of, well, this is what I think we can do. This is the market that I think we can approach and, you know, let's figure out a way of doing it. So there, there was that enormous sense of can do that wasn't tempered by this sort of sense that, you know, you're, you're, reading too much of your own PR. Um, so that was one thing that, you know, that it, it really is possible to build things and do things. And secondly, was just the the sense of intelligence and um, capability that he had in his team. You know, so that there were some of the smartest and scariest people. So um, I think the takeaways were that these types of businesses are not just born on a whim. They take an enormous amount of analysis and preparation and you know, work behind the scenes and mm. uh, research uh, be before they become part of um, you know the Virgin Group. So there is none of this sort of spray and pray that um, I think one can assume is part of the uh, modus operandi. Well, that, that's pretty interesting. I came up with two questions out of what you said a second ago. One is, did he travel around the world in the balloon? <laughs> Not quite. No, <laughs> <laughs> there, were, there were three attempts. So the first attempt. I think they made it as far as the Atlas Mountains. And considering that they took off in Marrakesh, that's not very far. Um, <laughs> and I think that's really because, I think we can laugh about it now, because it's about 20-something you know, years ago. But um, if you look at the the flight path of the balloon, it looked a little bit like a sine wave um, because it was almost impossible to fly because you'd put a control input in um, and then then you'd wait and nothing would happen. So you'd think, oh, obviously that hasn't worked. So you'd then reverse it. But what you didn't realize is it just takes a long time for the initial control input to take effect. So by the time that's taken effect, you've put another control input in to try and cancel the first one. So you're going, literally, you're flying this thing up and down. Um, and also what happened was someone had left the um, safety bolts into the propane cylinders. So when they're empty, normally what happens is you press a button and it, you know, the explosive bolts throw the thing away so you don't carry the dead weight. So someone had left the bolts, the retaining bolts in so that they couldn't um, be ejected. So someone had to go up and climb through the roof. And, you know, so it, it was a test flight that proved that it was probably more difficult to fly than most people had thought. <laughs> the second <laughs> balloon attempt actually blew away when it was being inflated. Um, which which was quite, um, you know, which wasn't expected. So this balloon was sort of half inflated. Big gust of wind came along, and, and the thing sort of took off uh, without anything attached to it. And the third one, I think, did really rather well. Um, I can't remember how far it got, but it was it was, um, 
you know, he got quite far. But then this Swiss guy called, I think it was Bertrand Picard, um, you know, no relation to the chap on um, Star Trek, ended up with a much better design and actually flew around the world probably about four times, you know, just oh. to, you know, just to rub it in. <laughs> well, all right. So the next question I have, you mentioned that you started out as a stockbroker and then shortly thereafter met Richard Branson. How in the world do you ever talk to anybody else about money? You know, like I would just see myself like when I was early on in the financial industry, like anybody could find a mirror. I was talking to them. They didn't have any money, but I still was talking to them. If the if one of the first people I got to spend time with was someone of his caliber, it'd be hard to go back. Like Joey would and I would not be sitting here. Joey was a client of mine. I would have like way past him. I've just been like, yeah, <laughs> you're unworthy. It's it is is really I find it really hard actually, um, <laughs> yeah. to sort of step off my pedestal. Um, I find the best thing is just to talk down to people, just patronize <laughs> everyone you can, um, and speak down to them, um, and insult them wherever possible, just to remind them of their place in society. Um, That's my full strategy with the stallion here. Yeah, and and I've I'm, and I've I found actually that that my fundraising capabilities. Um, probably haven't yielded as much as i would have hoped but um i can't understand why it is you know so. That's right. <laughs> well what a what a really cool and interesting story and i know we could probably spend a, an hour and a half talking about <laughs> at least another minute talking about yeah. that yes, no, yeah. no i i i would be fascinated by that but i don't know if our audience would so i i'll, I'll move forward because <laughs> I, I i do want to get into some of the interesting things that you're doing now because you are literally um, taking a tool, which is home equity. And we always refer to that as a tool because sometimes people think, man, um, you know, how, yep. wh what do I do with this? Like, how do I use it? And because they don't think of it like a tool, they don't use it, right? And so yeah. when you think of any uh, financial uh, asset as a tool, you can try to determine, can you create or destroy from it? And you're taking one of the oldest asset classes, which is home equity, and have created something really unique. So talk to us about what are home equity contracts and how do they work? Great. Well, I mean, first of all, you're absolutely right about home equity. The biggest challenge that we have is getting people to uncouple psychologically this mm. um, sort of inbuilt belief that they have that home equity is not an asset, that it is something that they shouldn't touch, they shouldn't tap. We get all sorts of comments that your home is not an ATM, you should never touch your equity. So um, once people realize that home equity is really probably the source of the bulk of their wealth, so most, I think there are all sorts of statistics showing that um, most Americans have, you know, almost three quarters of their wealth trapped in the equity in their home. So it is an asset. We know that, you know, home value, you know, is a real asset. It's a real estate asset. It's a tangible asset. Now, the only way that you can access that and turn it into something liquid so that you can do something with it is by borrowing money. So the only way right now, apart from selling your home, is to go to a bank or another type of lender and borrow money using your home equity as security so that in the event that you default on your loan, the lender can come and take your asset, your home, as security so that they can pay off what you owe. So what that does really, and, and loans are home equity lines of credit, mortgages, cash out refis, reverse mortgages, they're all the same sort of thing. They're all, they're all loans secured by real estate. 
What we do is something very different. We have investors and they get a return on their investment by sharing in the potential appreciation of your home. So they don't get paid by charging you interest. So they don't lend you money. And when I say they, I mean, it's us. What we do is we invest in the possible appreciation of your home. So if your home goes up in value, when you sell your home, or if you decide to buy the agreement back, which you can do at any time, we get back our original investment together with a share of the appreciation. So we get our money at the end rather than getting it every month from you, but we still get a return on our investment. And the important thing is because it's not a loan, we can be much more flexible when we underwrite. So we means it means you don't need to have a high credit score. We can accept credit scores of 500 and above. Uh, you don't have any monthly payments. So it's not free money. It's just that your money, you know, our money comes to us when you sell your home. Because it's not a loan, there are no monthly payments. It's not, uh, 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 there's no interest and it doesn't appear on your credit report as an additional loan. So it gives you the ability to tap into your home equity without having to go deeper into debt. And that's that's the foundation of um, what a home equity agreement is. I just read this comment. It was so drawing joy. I wanted to share it. I realized that my time is not really mine. It's my company's. Now I have to stop negotiating my time for money and I need to start working to become financially free. That's exactly how I felt when my daughter Adler asked me on the way to school, dad, can you pick me up from school today? And I had to say, no, baby, I have to go to work. That's where I drew the line. In order for you to be clear on the things you need to do and stop doing and to know who you need to become so that you can stop trading time for money, join us right now at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport. Now let's get back to this episode. But that is really interesting. You you said something that I, I caught, which is that you don't charge interest. You take part in the appreciation. Go into more detail. Like, I don't know, maybe give us an example of how that would work. Because I'm yeah. just trying to, you know, factor in like in our head, right? We deal in interest rates all the time. That's the way we're, we're trained to think by Wall Street. And we, we um, jam on Wall Street all the time. But that is the mindset we have, right? Is we think in interest rates. So you're saying, no, we're going we're gonna to take a part, uh, a percentage of the appreciation, which is super interesting. Well, let's just talk about our, our standard agreement is a, a 10-year agreement. So we do work um, with other companies and we can extend that up to um, 30 years. But you know, a 10-year agreement is a straightforward discount. So in other words, um, if you want to unlock uh, 10% of the current value of your home, then you commit to give us 16% of the value of your home when you sell it. So it's a, it's a straightforward discount. So we're giving you money today based on the potential future value of your home. Now, so that's a bit of a risk from our perspective. So if your home goes down in values substantially, you know, we're going to get less. If it completely collapses in value for whatever reason, um, then we could end up making a loss. So big difference there between what we're doing in a loan is the amount that you owe us at the end is entirely dependent on how much your house is worth. 
So if we take the example, I'm just going to use simple numbers, $100,000. If the house was worth $100,000 and they only wanted access to 10%, $10,000, then at the end of that time frame, you guys would take access. uh, You know, their home appreciates, and let's just say it appreciates from $100,000 to $200,000. They would owe you $32,000. 16% of $200,000. All right, perfect. But so, so play it on the other side of it. Let's say it didn't appreciate. Yep. And you were able to, you know, secure that 10% loan with a 16% future value. Now they owe you 16,000 if they were to sell it at a future date and that and it yep. has not gone up in value. Exactly. And if it goes down to say 80,000, um, then it would be, you know, 16% of 80,000. And so um, how, just thinking from the back end standpoint of this, how does someone pay you on the back end, right? Because most likely they've got to go through the same process. They're going to either have to sell the house or get a note against the house to pay you off. Yeah. How do you protect yourself on that? Well, again, the agreement is is protected by lien. So in other words, we put a lien on the property. So okay. uh, the agreement is um, similar to a trust deed. We call it a performance deed of trust. So the undertaking or the obligation that you have as a homeowner in exchange for that $10,000, uh, you know, you commit to pay us a certain amount when the sale goes through escrow. Or if you refinance, it just means that we protect our position. Now, at the ten, at the end of ten years, it's entirely possible that you may want to renew the contract. So, if you have enough equity, then we can extend the contract and start a new one. You can refinance the agreement at any point. So, what tends to happen is um, people for. Most of our clients at the moment are people that are in a position where they cannot borrow money on terms that they want. It may be that their credit score has decayed. They haven't got the income that they need at the moment. Um, you, you know, something's happened to their personal circumstances, which has put them in a position where they cannot borrow money or they 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 don't want to borrow money because the terms aren't attractive. Because this is not a loan, they can use this capital to pay off their credit cards um, to improve their credit score and get them into the position where they can refinance at the most uh, attractive rates. And that, that happens a lot. So that means that people can buy us out you know, with, with a loan or with a, a package you know, with, with some other type of funding um, on terms that are much better than they would have been able to get. So are you guys as a company seeking homeowners who are wanting to do these sort of contracts and uh, investors who are wanting to buy these or just one exactly. of Exactly. It's both. So our company, uh, Quantum RE, we're building a capital market system. We're building a marketplace where homeowners can unlock the equity in their home and investors can buy into what is a new exciting asset class that has an interesting return profile, which has downside protection. It has a decent upside return. Most importantly, though, our platform is designed to enable homeowners uh, or investors rather to be able to trade fractions of these home equity agreements. So in this example, if we bump the numbers up a bit and let's say you've got a million dollar home mm-hmm. and there's a hundred thousand dollar home equity agreement um, and you've got an investor that's always wanted to you know, buy into properties in Newport Beach or you know, the Bay Area, for example. And this is a property in 
San Francisco, but they don't have $100,000. They've got $1,000. So our platform will enable that investor to buy a portion of the economic returns of that agreement. And they'll be able to buy those using uh, uh, blockchain technology. So in other words, they'll end up with shares, but those shares are represented, represented as tokens on the blockchain. So they will be able to sell those and trade those on regulated exchanges. So what we're doing is we're creating liquidity at the investor side. So investors can come in, they can buy into what is essentially an illiquid asset class, which is the equity in someone's home. But using our platform, it creates the ability for them to be able to buy and sell as long as you've got a willing buyer and a willing seller. So so let me make sure I, I follow you on that. They Let's say that someone had bought into this as an investor and they had $10,000 into one of these fractional equity yep. contracts. And they got into a bind later, let's say a year in, and that particular investment hasn't paid them out yet. Yep. They're still waiting on their return, so to speak. Yes. And they go back to the marketplace and say, hey, by the way, I've got this $10,000 share in this particular equity contract. Yep. Um, I'll sell it to you for 10.5 just to get my money now. And yep. you get the up, the up, you know, the, the That's higher exactly market, it. whatever. That's exactly okay. it. And and the way that these agreements are priced is based on the underlying movement of the house price, of, of, of the, the value of the home. So what we do is we say that when we started this agreement, your home was valued at a million dollars. And we value it based on either you know an automated valuation method such as uh, you know CoreLogic or those types of guys, or we send an appraiser around. But what we do is we fix a very accurate initial value and then in order to price the value of your agreement or the value of your int your interests every month we um, mark those assets to market so we look at each individual property and say what's the value of your property today now if it's gone up from a million to 1.05 million then the value of your home equity agreement has gone up as well so this is what your shares are worth today based on the uh, value of the home being, you know, 1.05 million. So we help you price the value of your shares. You can decide how much you want to offer them at. So if you, if you want to sell the shares quickly, obviously you'll be able to put them into the marketplace at a discount to the, the current NAV. Well, I, I would imagine too right now, and I, I don't know how it is there uh, where you're at on the West Coast, but where we are, I think it's probably this way everywhere, is that everybody got locked up for you know six to 12 months in houses and ultimately have started working from home, teaching yep. their kids from home. So they're like, I need to expand, whether that's doing renovation projects or that's actually buying a new property. And so home prices are skyrocketing, right? Yep. So if homeowner i'm looking around at people around me and i'm like that guy's house just sold for 25 percent more than what he paid <laughs> yeah. for it a year ago like wow i wonder what our value is and some people are thinking well maybe i should move to get that money out but yeah. i don't want to move because then i got to go buy another house that's marked up at the same price if not more and i've got to compete with 25 other people to try to buy it yeah. so it sounds like those people right now have an option of how to access some of the uh, appreciation that's happened in the marketplace around Absolutely. them through a contract like this. 
Yeah, exactly. And most importantly, they don't have to go deeper into debt. So again, this sort of, we started at the beginning, we talked about this sort of psychological attachment people have to equity. So the property is going up. Here is an opportunity for you to take some chips off the table without having that burden of increased monthly payments. So if something does happen to you or your personal financial circumstances, you haven't got that extra you know, couple of thousand dollars you've got to find every month, yet you still have this lump sum. Um, because remember, we've now got a, um, a stake in the potential appreciation of your home, um, but you've now got cash that is tax deferred. So the other important thing is you don't pay tax on this um, when you get it. So there's no income tax, there's no capital gains tax, you're not selling an interest in your home, you're not we're not we're not going on title so the, you're not this doesn't trigger due on sale clauses in mortgages doesn't trigger property tax revaluations because it's a future based agreement um, but the important thing is you settle up with the tax man when you sell your home so um, you can use our money and how much it costs you to get our money you can use that to reduce your capital gains tax liability if you've got one so just so I go back to the example, we sold the house at two hundred thousand dollars. I've got to pay the thirty-two thousand, you know, for what I bought. I borrowed a hundred thousand, so I'm paying the hundred. You borrowed ten. I borrowed ten, so I'm gonna pay pay the ten plus the the appreciation from that, pay off any mortgage that outstands, and then I only have to pay capital gains tax if a capital gains tax would be due on yes. whatever that profit is. Yeah. So, so what you're doing really is you, you know, if you had say a hundred thousand dollar capital gains tax liability, and our agreement, the cost of that capital was say twenty thousand yeah. dollars, you could offset that twenty thousand dollars against your capital gains tax. So yeah. it it just means that you're able to offset the cost of our agreements. You can't do that with a mortgage. You cannot offset your in your interest cost against capital gains tax. So these agreements are much more tax efficient. So the reality is your real cost of funds, if you have a capital gains tax bill, is going to be a lot lower. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, one other question. So I'm sure there's more behind this, but when someone is applying for, let's say, one of these home equity contracts, what are the loan to value limitations that um, that you're able to work under? Like up to what value uh, percentage of their value can you lend? We want to start really, it depends on the state. In California, we've got a bit more flexibility. But um, if you look at a general rule of thumb, the homeowner needs to have about 40% um, equity to start with, which means they want to have a maximum current loan to value of around 60%. So the rule of thumb again across most of the agreements is we'll go up to a combined lien to value, <clears throat> excuse me, of 70%. So that means if we take your mortgage and the 10% that we're going to unlock, add those two together, it's got to be 70% or thereabouts of the current value of your home. Now, what that means is that you end up, you retain 30% equity. So this is nothing like what happened, uh, you know, um, a decade ago when people were being leveraged up to the, you know, the, the eyeballs. This, you as a homeowner, retain a minimum of 30% equity. 
Um, we have an equity stake. Your your debt is around 60%. You can use the money that you get from us to pay off or pay down your mortgage. So for those people that have a little bit of mortgage left or have a HELOC, you can use capital from a home equity agreement to pay that off. So it's very flexible in terms of what you can use. But most importantly, it doesn't leave you feeling that you have no ownership left in the property. So it's, you know, I'm trying to help the person listening who may be thinking, is this for me, right? So one of the things you just mentioned there is that uh, I have at least 40% equity in my property. Um, and also it may be someone who may maybe uh, have switched jobs. Maybe they just started yep. their own business. We have a lot of entrepreneurs who are listening to the the show and they, they've left their, they fired their bosses and they've become <laughs> you know, yeah. self-employed entrepreneurs. And those people, if they go back to the uh, mortgage industry and try to get a loan, they're, they're going to have to wait two years, right? So, yes. so that's one of the people that I would think would be um, a fit for this. Maybe there's somebody who um, had a health issue and are trying to deal with um, the, you know, paying back all the medical expenses and maybe they missed a couple bill payments and that affected their credit score. So those people can't unlock that debt. And this is just another option. Is there any yes. other things that you would let our audience know as a, who might be a good fit for this? Well, again, really, our customers tend to sort of fall into, you know, uh, three main categories. The first is uh, people that you described that cannot borrow money. So credit score issues, uh, income issues, in other words, you know, I own a fortune, but I can't prove it because, you know, my I'm self-employed. So what I try and do is, you know, reduce my income as much as possible so I pay as little tax. Yep. So the flip side to that is, guess what? You're going to be able to borrow less money. Um, people who can't um, prove W-2 income, people that cannot fit in the box that the banks create. So there are those people that can't borrow money or, or just cannot borrow money on terms that they want. The next group is people that don't want to borrow money. So you have typically retirees, uh, people that have paid off their mortgages, that own their homes free and clear, don't like the idea of going back into debt. It scares them. Um, they feel that there is this, clearly there is an ongoing obligation to the banks and the banks could pull the rug on them at any point. The third group are people that see home equity as an asset that's illiquid and they want to diversify out of that somehow and move into other more liquid, possibly cash flowing investments. So these agreements, it's not one size fits, fits all. It's actually useful for all sorts of different types of applications because ultimately home equity is uh, an asset and a tool, as you mentioned at the beginning, this is a way that enables you to use that, use that in a way that is efficient from a tax perspective, is efficient from a, a way of not uh, burdening you with extra monthly payments. Well, and that's that's really, really valuable for us to hear more and more about this. And I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of questions Russ and I have left out. So we wanna make sure people can connect with you in our community. Um, but before we do that, I just have one last question and then we'll, we'll make sure people can connect with you. When someone is looking to, let's say they, they took out a, an equity contract with you and then six months later they refinanced or yep. they sold the house or what have you. Is there a prepayment penalty associated no. with this in any sort? No, in fact, it's the opposite. So what we do is we cap the maximum cost of capital so that 
if you were to, um, you wouldn't have to pay us back in in this ex, you know in this example, um, hundred thousand dollar home, ten thousand dollar home equity agreement. Let's say you take that out and you sell the home six months later, but you've used that money to significantly improve your home. So you've actually, rather than selling your home for a hundred thousand, you managed to sell it for one hundred and twenty. Now we wouldn't want, um, a, you know, sixteen percent of that because you've only had the home for six months. So we have a return cap. And what that means is that um, we would cap the return at 9% for that six month period. So we would only be able to make a 9% return on that money, um, not a 60%, you know, so we would, uh, you would give us back about, um, about $11,000 approximately. Ah. Interesting. Well, really cool. I, lo I love this, Joey. We, we're always learning something new. and um, Especially you. Yeah, you're, you're definitely <laughs> learning something new. But I, I'm willing to learn. I think that's what Have you guys met, by the way? Is this your first sort of time together? I just, you know. <laughs> yeah, we get on a show from time to time. and yeah. But thankfully, we have more interesting guests like yourself uh, than <laughs> ourselves right. to talk to. I thought you were going to say more interesting guests than yourself. And I would, I would agree with you entirely, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I definitely want to share um, your company with the audience. So if you if you would, uh, how, how would somebody get in touch with you? Well, everything is on our website. So it's Quantum RE. Uh, thank you very much. It's Q-U-A-N-T-M-R-E.com. So we've got um, the ability for you to um, use a calculator to find out how much equity you could unlock. And um, we have a, a free guide that you can download. We have a number of videos, podcasts, um, you know, frequently asked questions. We have people behind the website. So there's, you know, you know uh, email addresses and phone numbers. So we're, uh, it's important that we speak to people um, because this is a difficult concept to grasp if you've never come across it. Once we explain how it works, the, the conversation normally goes from why would I do this to why wouldn't I do this? Um, so it's important that, you know, please reach out to us. You know, we love to, we love to pick up the phone and, you know, talk to you the old fashioned way. Well, thank you, Matthew, for uh, sharing. I, I loved it. Uh, super interesting. And I, I know you mentioned that you're going to join the community. So as, as you get in there um, and people have questions, I'd love for uh, them to be able to ask you, are, are you good with kind of uh, some banter inside the community as well? Yeah, I, I, is there some sort of hazing process that goes on? <laughs> because of, you know. No, that's just strictly for Joey. Like we always haze him, but no, we don't. <laughs> We don't, we don't do any of that to our guests, so you're free to get in there. But Hayes Joey, that is actually a part of the requirement. An mm. um, initiation is that you must uh, make a joke at his expense. Good. I was great. It's just as long as I know. I mean, that's important. <laughs> <laughs> well, as always, thank you for listening to this uh, podcast episode. Uh, if you found value in this, I pray that you would share this with a friend, somebody who, who may be in a position uh, that Matthew was sharing where they're uh, equity in their house is locked up. They didn't think that there was any way to get to it without selling it, and they really liked where they lived. And maybe this uh, podcast would give them another idea. And if you would, please make sure to uh, take time and, and review the show because that's how others who don't know someone like you and uh, is able to find this uh, our podcast and listen to great episodes just like this. So have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.